Welcome to the Open Metaverse podcast. I'm your host, Mehdi Farooq, Senior Tokenomics Analyst at Anemoka Brands. Uh, today, we'll be talking all about NFT trends and what's in store for NFTs in year 2023 and themes to look out for. On the other side of the mic, I have Teng, who is a Delphi analyst and produces amazing content and research on NFT and as an NFT specialist. Welcome to the Open Metaverse podcast. Hey, Mehdi. Um, thanks for inviting me. Really excited to be here to chat about um, NFTs. And I think it's going to be a great episode. Absolutely. So, Teng, tell, tell me about your crypto origin story and how you got into NFTs. Yeah, sure. So, I first got into crypto back in, or at least I first knew about crypto was probably back in 2017, right? I was pretty much the class of 2017. Um, first encounter was with Bitcoin, was with Ethereum. I think at that point in time, it was just a curiosity. Um, seeing like um, number go up on some of these assets um, made them particularly um, interesting. Um, and yeah, basically just um, wrote that up, wrote that down. And I think when it went into the bear market, um, pretty much was um, focused on other things. And at that time, at that point in time, I was pretty much working um, on a healthcare data analytics and startup um, that a few people and myself like started. And then I would say probably it was sometime in 2020 where I started to see things um, moving, right? There were a lot of things that were going on um, in the space. There was a lot of noise. There was a period where the whole DeFi summer came about, um, went through all of that, participated in a number of different projects, uh, thought it was really interesting. And then I think at some point in time, um, something probably clicked in my head. And as I, start, as I understood what was going on in the space, what was going on with this technology, what the potential of this was, um, a part of me was convinced that this is going to transform like, all these different industries uh, beyond just finance in the next like, 10, 20, 30 years or so. And I knew I needed to align myself like, really deeply in the space. So I started spending a lot of my time um, just, you know, just being in the space, talking with people, listening to podcasts, consuming all these different content. And I think it was probably at the late, part of 2020 that I first got into NFTs and I was I think the first project that I I first NFT I bought was this collection called non-fungible apes um it was this like um mimetic collection where they actually created like ape like characters of various celebrities like uh, Donald Trump Kanye West and I thought it was really funny I thought it was really interesting I bought a couple of those when they dropped um and you know Clearly, it all went to zero. But that was my first um, interaction with um, with a token that had different forms of rarities and that were tied to financial value because people were actually trading these things like um, back and forth. And I thought it was really interesting. And that led me, I guess, really down the rabbit hole of NFTs. And after that, um, I think the art stuff really started to take off with art blogs. There were a lot of derivative projects that were going on. Um, couple of months later there was this there was a large people sale for 69 million um, that went on and i think like it's everything that's happened so far in the last one year in nfts has just been very um i would say both unexpected and also very um interesting and and that really i think piqued a lot of my curiosity and i have never haven't gotten out of this rabbit hole ever since i went down that makes sense so so thank you you did mention healthcare and data analytics that's what you were working on before this were there any transferable skills or unique skill set that got transferred over from that aspect of your life to, to crypto now yeah that's a, actually a good question it's something i've been thinking about for quite a bit and i i would say that initially i had a couple of ideas about how we could actually apply like um, crypto blockchains in the healthcare space. But I think the healthcare space is probably a little bit too early um, for really sustained implementations of this technology because it's just a very conservative space. I think the main takeaways for me was um, having spent like the last um, six, seven years um, working in a tech startup, it gave me a much better view on how startups work, right? And if you think about like many um, NFT projects today, essentially, um, even though they may be like PFPs, but essentially they run like startups. They have a roadmap, they have a product that they are building out, they have users. And, and so it helps me to sort of like think through what are some of the challenges that these um, 
companies or I guess that these projects might actually face in actually building a sustainable business. And it also gives me, a, I guess, a better sense of like what like product cycles are like. How long does it actually take to actually launch a mobile app? How long does it take to launch a game? Um, I think it's given me a little bit of um, idea of how some of these um, things work. I think the AI part is also very interesting because I think we're seeing a trend of this um, um, generative AI um, come up. Um, I'm personally very fascinated by all of this. It's something that I do want to spend a lot more time um, diving into it. But I also think it's going to make um, a very big change um, in terms of how we do certain things um, in the coming years. I wholeheartedly agree with you on the AI bit, uh, not only on the NFT side, but also on fungible tokens. I, I believe the one mental model to view crypto is like a API call for money. And when you have artificial intelligence agents uh, who who will need these API calls for money in a trustless way, uh, I, I think there will be amazing use cases that will build. Right now, we are all operating with human-to-human transactions, but in case of AI, we will also need like a trustless layer and they can like natively call the APIs through through their own algorithms. So over there, there could be interesting applications. Uh, well, that's quite fascinating. Like, um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, hope, let's hope that AI doesn't take over everything that we do like eventually one day, but it's, it's definitely very fascinating. Yes, and the, the few projects out there that are actually like experimenting with this. Uh, I remember Altered State Machine is one, Elitia AI is yes. one, the few games that are also kind of experimenting with this. So there's definitely something to keep an eye out. Um, so Teng, in terms of the themes you saw uh, in 2022, NFT themes, like what were some of your thesis basically thesis that that you were surprised by i know you wrote a huge report an amazing report in delphi around these uh, around around these themes maybe you can like walk walk our audience through that yeah sure i would say like the first thing that um kind of caught me by surprise um through the year of 2022 was what happened with the solana nft ecosystem um I think firstly is because, um, I mean, NFTs first started on Ethereum, right? And, and most of the more like older OG NFTs projects like CryptoPunks, Bot Apes were all on there. But I, would, I think some point in time, probably in the later part of like 2021, we started to see a, a small, very engaged community of NFT traders, um, founders actually start to take root on Solana. Um, which is pretty um, unusual, I would say, like, unexpected because like Solana was actually designed as a chain that would be transformative for finance, right? By having like very fast and quick transaction speeds, able to do thousands of TBS. Um, it would actually be great for many of these like future financial products we built on Solana, uh, but didn't expect like a very unique and flourishing NFT ecosystem to actually develop on it. Um, we've had quite a number of very prominent like, influencers and founders like Frank Degots, uh, which is basically the top NFT project Solana right now, even though it's, move, it's moving to Ethereum and Polygon. Um, but that highlights how wild of a ride it actually has been for Solana because while it had a very huge growth, like even through the early parts of the bear market last year, I think the number of transactions on like Magic Eden would just grow um, growing on a day-by-day -day basis. We also saw that um, there was a very big um, collapse, at least in confidence, um, after the FTX um, situation because FTX and SBF were actually very big um, patrons um, of Solana. And when all of these things um, happen, I think it, it caused a lot of people to think about like whether Solana really has a future without these two people. Um, but I think what we've seen um, since then is that um, these communities, even though they experience a very big um, drop both in prices as well as um, interest, um, they've actually bounced back pretty well towards the later part of last year. And I think the NFT ecosystem on Solana is still thriving um, pretty well. So I think that's one thing that definitely um, was very interesting to see. I think the other thing that um, I found particularly interesting was the whole situation with creator royalties on these nft marketplaces um, if we think back to the start of 2022 i think like everyone thought that royalties were were there to stay right i think no one really questioned 
why we have to pay royalties. And I think one of the reasons was that actually royalties was um, people viewed it as actually an innovation. And it's, it was a way for artists, um, creators to actually build, um, to be able to continue to fund their work without having to continuously sell um, new items and new mints. And that actually drew a lot of interest from creators and was probably one of the reasons that brought a lot of um, interesting, talented artists um, into this space to actually experiment um, and use NFTs. But sometime in, um, I think it was July of last year, we had like PseudoSwap launch and it's basically a new marketplace which used a more AMM type of model, but they basically they didn't have creator fees built into this. Um, and then we started seeing other marketplaces um, jump on the bandwagon. Uh, we had X2Y2 started to say that, okay, we're going to make royalties optional. And then a few other marketplaces like LooksRare also followed along the way. I think it was only OpenSea that um, stood um, steadfast in saying that it's going to support creator royalties all the way. And since then, over the last couple of months in 2022, there's been a lot of... Um, I would say directional shifts, like um, people would say XY to support basically had optional royalties, but then they, they, I think they recently implemented royalties again, right? So I think everyone's still trying to figure uh, out what's going on in this whole space, um, whether royalties are here to stay or not. I think it is going to continue to be challenging because it is difficult to really enforce royalties in a way that's still in line with the open permissionless philosophy that we have on blockchains and with NFTs also. Um, but I think it would be interesting to see how this continue evolves um, through this year. What do you think is the end game for these NFT marketplaces? Like, will there be royalty, no royalty? Like, in terms of your mental model, what are you kind of seeing? I would say that um, I think there's going to be a, a wide variety of um, different kind of marketplaces with different kind of user bases as well as fee models. I think in a very big picture point of view, we're probably going to see a little bit of um, bifurcation where I think we're going to see a number of marketplaces um, that are very creator friendly and they will continue to find as many ways as they can to uh, ensure that these creators will receive um, the royalties that they actually want. And there will be a, a good number of people, um, especially, for example, in the art space, in the music space, that these are basically collectors who actually don't mind paying royalties, right? Because basically the reason why they buy these NFTs is because they, they want to support the artists. They, they want to support the works of these people that they believe are talented and they enjoy. So that's, I think, going to be one side. So there's still going to be marketplaces that will continue to, to have um, royalties and enforce them um, as much as they can. Uh, at the same time, I think we're also going to have uh, newer marketplaces that will try and come in and reduce fees as low as possible in order to draw new users to them. I think these appeal to the much more um, trader kind of mentality uh, among users. So we're seeing things like Blur, um, which has come in and a lot of trading volume has actually shifted to Blur in the recent weeks um, because um, it does allow... Um, certain collections to be traded without royalty um, fees um, paid. And if you are an NFT trader and you're buying things just to um, either for their investment potential or for, to make a profit, then you definitely don't want to be paying royalties. And these people will tend towards these uh, marketplaces that will charge the lowest fees. Awesome. Um, I, I think this is what was also mentioned in your uh, Delphi, Delphi report. One of the segments within that report, you um, delve deeper into five NFT themes that you kind of foresee for the next year. I would love uh, for you to walk us through those themes, perhaps also share your screen and, and give something to our audience visually for them to kind of comprehend, like, what do you expect going ahead? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would love to do that. So let me just share my screen and we can talk through a couple of these um, interesting themes. I'm actually just pulling out this report um, that we actually recently wrote that's titled The Year Ahead for NFTs. Um, so let me just scroll down. Um, it's a pretty long report, um, but I think what 
I think is most interesting for everyone here is to talk a little bit about what we see are some of the major themes um, around NFTs for, for the coming year. Um, and I'll try to outline some of our thinking behind um, these different things. So the first thing is really, I think we're going to see um, a, a very strong growth um, in NFT finance. Um, and basically, NFT finance are basically tools that actually um, unlock a new level of utility for NFTs. It basically allows NFTs to be borrowed, it about them to be loaned. It allows um, NFTs to be traded as derivatives. Um, and I think this is a very nascent but interesting um, growth sector that is actually developing around the whole um, NFT industry. And if you look at what happened in 2022, as you can see from this chart over here, we actually saw a very huge growth um, in the usage of NFT loans, where in the start of 2022, there was probably only about 50 million in cumulative loans taken out um, on NFT lending platforms like NFT Fi as well as Bendow. But by the end of the year, we're probably hitting uh, over 500 million um, in cumulative loan volume, which is more than 10x like what uh, we had at the start of the year. So I, I think this is really laying the foundation for a lot of NFT uh, finance products to actually start to take off um, in the coming years. Um, I do know of quite a number of interesting projects that are going to be launching. Um, I think... Um, the one do you have a pick? Do you have any pick from, have from, pick from from this, or maybe some of the project, new NFT finance project uh, launching ahead that you find fascinating? Oh yeah. Um, okay, I think the one that I, I found the most interesting is actually a, a protocol that's called NFT Pulp, and this basically allows you to trade. Um, basically, allows you to buy. Um, allows you to to. To, I, I guess I speculate on the prices of NFTs, right? So basically what it means is that in, if, you, if you think the price of bought apes um, is going to go up, you don't actually have to fork out like 80 ETH to buy that full bought ape. But basically you can buy a part of it and basically it, it functions as, as like perpetual futures that we see in the more traditional um, markets or so. And you, the more interesting thing is that you can do it reversely as well. That means that if you think the prices of bought apes are going to go down, you can actually short it and actually profit from um, prices going down. And this provides actually a way for even owners to, sort of, for example, hedge some of the exposure. And I think I was looking at the charts of this um, NFT perp uh, recently because it's currently in private beta. Um, I think it hit like 28 million or so in volume um, over the last, I think, six to eight weeks since it's been live, which actually does show that it's quite a bit of interest that's going around on this. Um, whether the design is sustainable, I'm not sure. I haven't delved deeply into into whether um, it will be able to withstand like, certain stresses when at certain market conditions. Uh, but definitely, I think it's one to watch out for. And we're going to see more similar kind of protocols launch. Yeah, I, I think these perpetual uh, perpetual base derivative types projects will be very fascinating, even in terms of getting an investment exposure. Because if you think about it, in a bull market, uh, people can take leverage and the volumes will increase. And, and these market, like these protocols can accrue value. But even in the bear market, which we have seen NFT marketplaces as taking a hit 80%, 90% uh, downfall in terms of volume, people were still use these platform to hedge their risk. So perhaps the volume goes down, but it doesn't go down to a similar degree. So kind of kind of thing, these types of protocol could be slightly more anti-fragile uh, relative to uh, NFT marketplaces. So Tank, apart from the NFT finance and perpetual and derivative products, what else do you see in terms of um, NFT themes? Yeah, Mehdi. I think the, the next thing, which I think um, is pretty interesting, which I'm just going to scroll down a little bit here. Um, and this chart probably tells the story quite well, um, is that we're going to see what I call a, a great unbundling of like NFT marketplaces. Um, if you look at NFT marketplaces, I think these are pretty much the crown duels of the industry because they're able to generate huge amounts of cash flows. And so there's very keen competition in the space. And just if you look at this chart over here, you can see at the beginning of last year, January, February, OpenSea was pretty much the dominant marketplace with like over 90% of all NFT trading volumes going through it. Um, but towards the later part um, of the year, 
um, NFT volumes overall have come down a lot. But more interestingly, you can see like many other marketplaces like Square, X2Y2, Blur, and even Magic Eden have actually come up to challenge like OpenSea's um, dominance in this place. And I think what we're going to continue to see through 2023 and the years ahead is that we're going to see like big platforms like um, OpenSea continue to see um, market share to newer NFT marketplaces. And this really follows the history of uh, many other, I, I guess if you look at other in successful like internet marketplaces outside um, of um, the crypto space, uh, we can actually see a very similar kind of like history or trend. Um, for example, the one I always like to bring up is like Craigslist. Um, when it came out, basically it was very general marketplace. You basically could put posts like classified ads on every single sector. But over um, 10 or 20 years, we start to see like very um, verticalized like marketplaces start to take over a lot of it. For example, like real estate listings on Craigslist um, now are pretty much like succeeded by um, Zillow, which has a much more um, interesting and user-friendly interface for this. And we can see it across like all these different sectors um, and in the tech space. So I think the same thing is probably going to happen um, in the NFT market space marketplace space as well, where um, some of these like newer marketplaces that have a very more specific um, focus, for example, it could be art, it could be virtual lands, um, they're able to build a much better user experience for the users. And that's how they start to actually disrupt and start to take away market share from some of these larger um, incumbents uh, by being able to build these better um, experiences. And we know that uh, the marketplace that succeeds is basically the marketplace that makes its users um, as happy as possible. Um, I think that's going to continue to, to, to uh, play out through the year. Um, even, I think we've even seen like projects themselves actually launching their own private marketplaces. For example, um, ApeCoin DAO launched its own marketplace for the bot Ape ecosystem um, because basically it, it allows... Um, them to have a much better control over fees, control over the economy um, of the NFT ecosystem. Um, I think that's going to be a trend that also continues to, to happen over the coming uh, year. Absolutely agreed. Uh, I feel apart from the value accrual side, even from the user experience side, right? Like let's say when we talk about real estate, like digital land, uh, OpenSea's interface is not 100% conducive to that, right? Like we need something where similar to Zillow, right? Like we can navigate on the map in terms of coordinate where my land is so all of these and different types of nfts have different nuances and creates different user experiences which i think at the moment is difficult to kind of bundle everything together in, in OpenSea. Uh, for example with open uh, for example with music nfts right like you need a some structure similar to kind of spotify and things like that which OpenSea cannot provide since it, it it has a lot going for themselves yeah this this makes total sense yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, I mean, the buying experience, like, say, if I was someone who was buying, say, um, expensive piece of, like, contemporary art, I think it's very different from, say, someone who's buying a PFP or a bot ape or so. And, and the kind of things that someone looks for, um, it's also very different. And so I think being able to build these, like, very unique uh, and customized experiences for users, I think is going to be one of the key um battlefields i think in, in the coming years Th that being said i still remain bullish in OpenSea. i feel like people will still use OpenSea as like a curation and front page but then also explore verticalized marketplaces and their own own marketplaces because you still want that initial discovery and then afterwards value accrual to your own 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 own, own marketplace awesome let's let's look into the theme number three yeah sure so if we look at the third theme i'm just going to scroll down to pull this out. Um, this is one that I'm actually particularly excited about. And what we're going to see is we're going to see like very strong tailwinds um, towards the adoption of NFTs. And this is really going to come from both um, big tech companies as well as big brands. Um, I think it's really interesting. Like this graph was particularly exciting to me. Um, and this basically shows the monthly active users across some of these like large um, social media and tech platforms like with facebook currently leading has more than almost 3 billion um, users um, instagram has about like 1.5 billion users and most of these 
um, tech platforms are starting to embrace or at least explore the potential of NFTs within this platform. For example, we saw that um, Instagram recently partnered with Polygon and a few other blockchains to allow creators to mint, buy and sell some of these NFT collections. Um, one of the biggest success um, in NFTs this year was Reddit's um, digital collectibles, where basically they allowed um, their users um, to actually create um, unique um, profile pictures. And each of these profile pictures was actually an NFT. And I think what's most interesting was that they were actually able to create um, an experience where the users didn't even know they were actually um, create, minting an NFT and actually had created a wallet uh, for them. And I think that's where... Um, big tech um, today is very good at. They are very good at, at um, making great user experiences. That's where they have honed like, years and years of expertise. And it's really exciting to see them start to bring in more of their, hopefully, I mean, at least a, a percentage of their users um, to understand more about blockchains, more about crypto, and more about NFTs. And I think that's going to be one of the big drivers um, towards a slow and steady march of mainstream adoption uh, within NFTs. I think the other thing that's also um, quite exciting is really seeing some of these, um, scroll down a bit, seeing brands actually start to get into NFTs as well. Um, over the past year, I think uh, we've only seen a couple of, I would say, very forward-thinking like companies, particularly Nike, with their um, acquisition of Artifact that actually have gotten to NFTs in a very meaningful way. But they have actually been able to um, produce um, substantial actually revenue through these NFT sales. Um, I mean, a lot of it happened in the bull market. So um, I think probably it's unrealistic to expect like other companies to replicate the same level of like um, success and revenues, um, at least in the early stages. Um, but it's, it is substantial. And I think like what has happened is definitely going to draw a lot of eyes around this. And I think like almost every major brand today uh, probably is already thinking um, around what is metaverse or Web3 strategy is going to be. Um, I think a lot of them are taking very intentional steps, um, not just wanting to launch like a simple collection, but rather building something that has a more engaging customer journey and roadmap that they can bring their customers um, onto that. And I think that's going that trend is going to continue to to go ahead um, through the year, even if we continue to experience a little bit of, I guess, a bear market in the rest of the software crypto space. Is there any one big brand that you're very excited about, at least what they're thinking about their strategy or have implemented? I think, um, I think there are just so many of these things. I think one that I've, I've seen quite a little bit of uh, interest around is actually the sports brands. Um, I think we've, re we've seen, like, for example, like NFL, NBA, Top Shot, actually release stuff as digital collectibles. But now I think based on the people that I've talked to and the projects that I've, I've had interacted with, um, quite a number of, I like, say, sports clubs uh, and some of the biggest brands in the world, for example, clubs like, say, AC Milan from a football um, point of view, they're actually really um, thinking deeply about how they can do this. And I think there's a very strong use case for some of these. Um, I remember someone I was talking to was telling me that, um, I mean, he works closely with some of these um um, brands in the English Premier League um, sports clubs and he was saying that some of the clubs they were they had like like a billion fans or so right but they only able I mean the monetization they're probably only getting like say less than a dollar per fan that they actually have and I think like um, NFTs um, have the potential to help them to monetize some of these fans grow their brands in a bigger way and help their fans be more engaged and participate more closely in the whole um, ecosystem so i think that's one thing i think is going to be quite um, exciting um in the coming year um on the fashion side definitely i think that's just um there's just so much i think like Every day I'm seeing like new um, fashion labels um, launch a new experiment or, or um, product um, in the sort of like fashion metaverse um, kind of space. And we can talk about that. Later. Yeah. Hold that thought. I'll, oh, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll dive deeper into it in, in, a, in a bit, in a bit as well. Uh, so, so what do you think will happen with, um, you, you mentioned a lot of sports brand coming in. 
what will happen in terms of intersection between social token fan token and nfts do you think they'll coexist or do you think nfts will kind of slowly become the de facto social token or a fan token like what's what are your views on that because there there's a lot of interesting platform out there um that are focusing on fan token but might want to pivot down yeah. to nfts yeah um that's actually a great question and it is really in line with one of the next sort of like um, prediction that we are uh, um looking at actually to play out in in the coming years is that we do think that like nfts are going to be the next version of the social token or the fan token or the creator token whatever we might call it um and i think in the last couple of years we've seen like a lot of experimentation with more like fungible tokens like we have projects like chilies that that does these like fan tokens for various sports clubs but they're all mostly fungible um tokens um but i think nfts have the potential to be much more rich right because with nfts you can actually tie various media you can tie images you can tie videos um to these things and i think naturally it makes for much more um i i guess it makes for for better like user experience especially when you're talking about things like token gated access token gated content it's a lot more clunky to say that okay i have to own like say 1000 of these like fungible tokens in order to get access to a discord group or access to certain like um certain media but by saying i own this like membership nft i think it's a lot more um interesting and you can do a lot of cool things with it as well like for example with nfts you can actually cr- introduce like certain like gamification sort of like mechanisms for example if you are a very engaged or engaged member or contributor within a particular like um creators economy um you can actually you know for example they could make the nfts dynamic where you actually level up your nfts uh metadata changes you get a much more cooler much more rarer kind of nft and i think that really appeals to a lot of the um psychology uh behind people who are um fans and, and participating in these things because it's really there you want to be able to have something that you can flex you can actually show off and i i think fungible tokens are necessarily the best way to sort of like um flex to other people because they're not as visible um as before so i think we're going to see a, like a very huge wave of like um creators celebrities um brands starting to launch their own um sort of like social tokens um and i i think the the one that was uh, the most uh, I guess like interesting was basically the 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 Donald Trump like NFTs that were just launched like two weeks ago. Um, I I didn't expect that uh, that came out of the blue for me. I didn't expect like um Trump to actually launch his own like NFT collection. I I think it saw quite a bit of its own controversy. Um, but I I think it does show that really like ev- everyone has a potential to launch something, and we're just going to see a lot more of these uh, coming up. Absolutely. Um. So you did mention Trump NFT collection. One thing I want to explore with you is your top 5 favorite NFT collection. Perhaps you're bullish on or perhaps you just find interesting. And why do you find them interesting or or why you find or why you're bullish on? Yeah. Them? Um Yeah, there's a that's a that's a difficult question, but I'm going to try and and just name a couple of things that I I think um um are interesting um i mean definitely not financial advice but i think like these are projects um not necessarily from the price wise but basically they are actually doing interesting things that i would definitely continue to follow through the year um i think firstly is definitely the yuga labs um and the bot eight ecosystem and i think it has it has cemented its place as like the number one nft ecosystem um right now for a reason right i think like yuga labs has a huge watch has managed to raise like 400 million dollars um and is able to fund itself to do many interesting things for quite a number of years um recently it also announced that it brought on a new is going to bring on a new ceo who was previously the ceo at um blizzard activision and was very deeply involved in some of the top games in the world like world of warcraft um so i think they're going to be very exciting very interesting exciting things ahead and i think the one the thing that makes me the most bullish about the ecosystem is that just the people within it right the community of bot ape um and related nft holders they are just um fanatics right i mean they may be degens but they they just absolutely love what 
is going on and what's happening. And this is evident by the strong, um, I, I guess, performance in some of the NFT prices over the last two weeks or so, where even go, though some things were, um, I mean, markets were uncertain and unsteady, but basically the floor prices for these things were actually um, just going up and up and up after the whole FTX um, uh, fall. So I think that's one I'll keep an eye on. Um, second, it's a community that I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased towards um, because I, I own one myself. It's basically the Azuki. I think like the Azukis have, um, is a PFP project um, as well, but it has the potential to be um, the bought apes of the um, Asia world. And it's seen a very, a very strong um, take up and engagement from the Asia community. Um, where I'm, you know, like where I'm based here in Singapore, there are lots of people who, who hold Azukis. And I know in many other countries in the region as well, um, they're all pretty excited about what's going on. And I think despite the controversial past that um, the Azuki founder Zagabon had, um, I think what they have done is they have been, if anything, they've managed to build a very um, engaged um, community uh, of people that are just constantly excited to be around each other and are creating new things. Um, so I'm excited to see where this continues to go. Um, I would say another one that I'm actually waiting out for and excited to see what goes on for them um, is yet an, is another PFP is, is called Doodles. Um, they, they launched also about a year ago, but they have been pretty quiet, I would say, over the last six months. Um, but I know they're going to be launching their, um, what they call like Doodles 2, which is basically their plan to make their NFTs more accessible to the mainstream audiences. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that many of these like PFP slash brand um, projects face because like, um, they have like say 10,000 NFTs, right? 10,000 bought apes or so. And it's not easy. You, you can't become a mainstream brand if your number of holders is really limited to say 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000 people. Um, because if you want to really go mass market, you need to be have something that's appealing to say millions of people because just, that's the kind of numbers that actually really matter. Um, and so I think Doodles is trying to do that where they have this like um, original NFT collection that uh, will still be limited edition, but they're also going to, to sort of like allow people to create or release like more mass market um, cheaper versions of these doodles that, that will be more accessible to a larger group of audiences. And I like that the, the whole art and the vibe behind doodles is very family friendly. Like it's something that really appeals to everyone from all ages, from kids to adults to seniors. Um, so I think it does have a chance um, to become like one of those like um, brands that actually potentially go mainstream. And that's behind, that's probably one of the thesis that I have um, around NFTs. Um, let me see. I think two more just very quickly. I think I would like to say CryptoPunks. I think CryptoPunks, um, it's to me, I mean, a lot of people call CryptoPunks as PFPs, but to me, I think of them as like um, historical relics, like something like artifacts that you might find in a museum. Um, because um, I think the main thing that goes for CryptoPunks is that it has its historical provenance. It's, it was really like one of the first like original like PFP type NFTs was actually created like by now it's probably coming to six years um, old. Uh, we've seen a lot of holders actually um, are basically like OG um, crypto people. They're using them as a profile pigs. It's very unlikely they're going to be selling their crypto punks. Um, and even though they crypto punks doesn't have any roadmap, um, it's still done um, relatively well, um, even throughout the and, and the whole bear market. And I think what's going to happen is that um, people are just going to they're just going to be people are just going to continue to collect these crypto pounds um, and hold them for a very um, very very long time because they have something that other NFT projects can can never uh, take over, which is basically the brand and the historical provenance. Um, and I think the final one that I would say. Um, it's a to me. I I'm still struggling with this, but I, I think it's something that is um um worth watching. It's really the Digi Dai Gakus um that were 
um, launched by um, Gabby and Limit Break. So as a quick context, uh, Limit Break actually raised like $200 million, which was an eye-popping amount like last year. And basically, this they, are, they raised funds basically to launch a, a game studio um, with the hopes of developing the next like billion-dollar-plus revenue um, game in Web3. Um, so basically, they released this collection called the Digi Daigakus, and they have this model where they call the factory NFTs, and basically they intend that um, they're going to continue to airdrop more NFTs to this um, um, factory NFTs. But I think the most interesting thing is that, um, firstly, I think the game, I mean, at, at the end of the game, we need to see how the game actually goes. The game is still actually in development, and it's very hard to predict how a game actually um, gets taken up. But um, I'll be excited to see how they go. And the second thing which I thought was very interesting was that they actually said that they're going to do this very big um, advertisement during Super Bowl, which is just about a month away from now. And they're going to do a very big mint and it's going to be the first like Web3 project that has, that has ever gone such in such a big way from an advertising perspective. So it will be pretty interesting to see whether any of it becomes sticky um, or actually whether it brings more users um, into the space. Great selection, Teng. Uh, again, we are seeing a lot of experimentation uh, in, in, uh, within the NFT space. One recent experimentation is around uh, Web3 reputation and identity. I know you also wrote a piece on piece on that. So perhaps perhaps you can share your views on that. Maybe perhaps share some of the project uh, you're bullish on, or you're at least keeping an eye on. Or or if you have any visuals for us, we 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 can we can also have a look at that. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you're perfectly right, and and, and thanks for bringing that up. The like uh, I think decentralized identity and reputation is something that um, I was exploring quite a bit um, towards the later part of last year. Um, I think it's something that we that we definitely need to continue to to strive towards. Like, I think decentralized identity is really going to is a very is a core component of the Web three stack, and by decentralized identity we mean that um, you as a user actually owns your identity and you can take the identity everywhere you you want to, uh, which is important because if you look at today, um, for example, let's say if I create a identity say on like Facebook or something, right? Like if, if Facebook shuts down, then it's gone, right? I, I can't take it out to any other platform or so. I, if I want to do it, I'm gonna establish my reputation again in a different platform. I basically have to start from scratch um, all over again. But the, the ideal of this is that um, you actually own it and it, it follows you right along the way. I think identity is gonna be very important um, in Web3 because today, um, one of the challenges is that we don't really have a lot of information about about users. Basically, we, we know people's like wallet addresses. We can see certain financial transactions. Um, but what do people like? What are people's hobbies? What are people's preferences? These are things that we actually don't have today. And that's the promise of what all these like projects that are building in the decentralized identity and reputation space are, are actually looking to do. Um, they're looking to help to build out uh, a bigger, richer uh, picture of individuals uh, in a way that is um, decentralized, that you actually own uh, that and you actually can, and I would say it's open and permissionless in the sense that anyone can build upon some of these like reputation credentials that um, you have obtained or are given. So I think things that are particularly exciting to me, I would say that like, one is really around like say credit scoring, right? Like say your um, a combination of some of your offline data as well as your on-chain transactions can actually help you to um, create a certain credit score that maybe allows you to take a larger loan from a DeFi protocol um, in the future. Um, or I think the other thing is also in gaming, which is I think reputation is a very big thing for gamers. Like um, what sometimes what drives me to continue to play a game and want to get as good as it as possible is so that i can climb to the top of these leaderboards and people know me as say one of the best like league of legend players or so um and that that reputation has a very big part to play in both um, the design of games as well as driving users to continue to be engaged in some of these um, game loops so i think all of these things are in play um the challenge is that um it will take time. Uh, I think from everything I've seen in the decentralized identity, decentralized social, 
reputation kind of sort of like space is that there are a lot of good people that are building stuff in it. Um, it is quite a fragmented space overall. Um, and I think there's still going to be a, a, quite a bit of time that's needed for people to actually start to adopt and use these products because they aren't really very good like industry standards that allow people to actually build on these things with confidence yet. A lot of these protocols are either still in private testing and have not launched publicly or um, are, have launched publicly but are still trying to sort of like find their footing around some of these things. If I were to say like maybe like one or two protocols in this space that I, I think are, are, have done pretty well, um, definitely I think one is POAP. Um, I, I think that's something that, I mean, basically it's proof of attendance. Right? Basically, if you attend a certain thing, you can actually collect some of these like collectible NFTs that show that you were part of a, you were there at a certain location or you were part of a certain meeting and group. And I think POAPs have done really well because they've actually been able to make it a lot more um, mainstream and accessible than a lot of these like crypto native protocol protocols of today so i think they yeah yeah one hmm. problem i have at poap even though i love the project is majority of those hmm. nfts are not sold bound so people do farm yeah. it people do sell it uh, to farm credentials or certificates or, or, or to get a future address. Yeah, so 100%. I, I, I think it, it is definitely um, it's definitely an issue, right? Once you can transfer these NFTs, then you cannot be 100% sure that uh, a, a particular person was the real original owner. I think there's probably still ways to, to filter out for these things. For example, you can say that, you know, if an NFT was transferred or sold, maybe you you, you exclude it from, um, from whatever you're using that, that poet for in terms of maybe your reputation scoring or airdrops or so um but it's uh it's definitely think i think i remember hearing a podcast where one of the poet co-founders was asked the same question as well i can't remember what his exact reply was but i think he was saying something about like um it wasn't really something they worried too much about it was not yet on their roadmap and they wanted to just get as many people as possible on this thing um but yeah it's, it's, i can see it potentially becoming an issue um, in the future maybe if not sold bound at least they should explore mm. verifiable credential so if a verified entity is issuing those um there is there's a way to kind of not sell it on open or at least have it in a wallet but it's verified by the institution but apart from that you can't do anything so let's say tang if you're issued to app entity can verify it was issued to tang rather than let's say nedi uh, so if if you don't if they don't go on a soulbound token route, at least they can like, think about verifiable contention. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think it's also interesting because, um, I mean, there are also problems, right? Once you once you have something as soulbound, I mean, if you lose your wallet or something like that, then you just lose everything. Like, um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like just still there's still a lot of, like a lot of issues that needs to be worked out in this in this whole um, identity space. So I, that's that's also one of the reasons why I do think that it's not necessarily going to be a huge team like in the immediate months, but it's more of like a multi-year kind of like um, thing. Uh, so, so Tang, mm. what are your views? Uh, we touched upon this earlier. Uh, what are you seeing with Metaverse fashion? Perhaps also give us some of, some of the pro projects you found fascinating recently. Uh, I, I was also advising a few Metaverse fashion projects, and one of them also featured in your mm. report called BNB. Uh, so yeah, just walk us through what are you seeing in that? Yeah, so I think Metaverse fashion is particularly interesting because one, it's been pretty much under the radar um, in terms of like NFT verticals, right? When we think of NFTs, we first thing we think of are things like arts, um, music, um, PFPs or so. Uh, but actually, when I was doing this and when I was working on this report, I actually realized that actually a lot of very vibrant communities that are forming around fashion. And I think like fashion is probably heading towards also two, um, two sort of like slightly different directions. Like one is the fully digital fashion. Which is basically, um, I guess the thesis is that a lot of our lives and more and more of our lives are going to be spent in the metaverse in things like perhaps the sandbox or the central land in the future. And because we're going to be spending a lot of time there, we're going to need clothes to wear, right? We want to differentiate ourselves. We want to differentiate our avatars in these different game, uh, not game, I guess a like metaverse worlds. Uh, and we want to be unique. Um, and, and so that's what's driving a lot of it in the digital fashion space. Um, 
And I think the other the other angle that you think about like fashion is actually I think digital. And I think it is my my view is that I think digital is probably going to take off much faster than um, digital fashion. And by digital is really the combination of both like physical and digital, which means that say let's say if I buy a particular piece of clothing from a store today, which I can wear um, on my physical self, uh, but I also get access to the same piece of clothing um, that I can use, say, on my digital avatar, or that might, um, I mean, by buying that clothing, I might also get an NFT that allow, that unlocks a lot of like, interesting like um, token gated experiences, like AR experiences, or so on. And I think there's a lot of experimentation that's sort of like, happening in this sort of like digital um, space or so. So I think these are sort of like two two sort of like angles that that these like communities and founders are um, going towards. Um, I think digital fashion is particularly um, interesting because it really unlocks a lot of like creativity. Uh, we're seeing a lot of like designers um, that previously um, were struggling in, I would say, the more physical uh, fashion design world, um, actually now start to find their footing in sort of like creating some of these like, digital clothing, digital designs, which actually allows them to express the full range of their creativity because they no longer have to be bounded by, say, the laws of physics um, and so on in creating um, all their different designs. So um, I think definitely something to watch out for. I think a lot of it will also depend on how the whole metaverse um, narrative takes off like whether do we really spend a, a lot of our lives um, in these like very immersive virtual worlds i do think i am personally a more in, i i think we will like in time um maybe not as quickly as, as some people might think but um i feel like it's something that will definitely sort of happen um yeah so i think i mean the most prominent like fashion related sort of like project is probably artifact the one that um, Nike um, acquired, and they are um, they've done quite a number of like digital fashion based sort of like drops, which honestly are really cool. I've thought about buying a couple of these like um, customized sneakers myself, even though honestly they are very overpriced like, compared to what you might buy in the stores today. Um, I think like there are quite a number of like these like digital fashion. Digital fashion houses, I guess they, that's what they will call themselves. Um, things like the Fabrican, um, they are sort of like um, um, how do I say? Like they are they are working with, like digital designers to sort of like um, create these pieces, which either they sell or they work with say prominent um, brands who actually launch as like, sort of like partnership arrangements or so. Um, so I think overall there's a lot of activity. I think the people within the whole space itself are, are excited about it. Uh, oh yeah, I, I think like G Money himself is also um, very involved uh, with his 9DCC um, fashion label, uh, which is sort of, I think, branded as like crypto native fashion for uh, crypto people like you and me. So, um, you know, excited to see that. I'll, I'll try to get him on the pod then. Oh yeah, oh for sure. I'm sure he'll be he'll be a great he'll be great he'll be a great person to interview for sure. He he's lots of amazing views. And also, if you look at traditional metaverses, right, Second Life, IMVU, a lot of money is generally spent on dressing up your avatar and the cosmetics of your avatar. Uh, even recently, Fortnite, like a lot of money is spent on skin. So people do really care about. Uh, how, how you dress up and uh, and what you represent in, in that metaverse. So from that standpoint, identity, fashion kind of like converges and and yeah. it becomes very interesting. So for example, with Second Life, people like spend a lot of money on the skin color, skins, different type of body formation, as well as what clothes you're wearing. And that avatar then actually becomes a PFP on the forum. Uh, so there is also this amalgamation of identity, cosmetics, and and then profile picture. So I, I think there's yeah. definitely something there. Uh, my view is more towards digital me- metaverse. Like I'm very okay. very bullish on digital side of things. Digital, I, I, I still want to see how all that. <laughs> yeah, we got to get um, you some of those like um, digital, um, like this Nike AR hoodie stuff, and 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 and, <laughs> and get you converted to a fan of digital. But you know, absolutely right. Like I'm I'm fully such I'm fully with you. Like um, I think one very strong tailwind as well is that I mean. A lot of these like skins um, in all these different games like Fortnite, 
they are, I mean, being bought by a much younger generation, right? These are the like Gen Zs, like Gen Alphas, who, who really understand, I think from a young age, they understand the power of digital assets. They've, they've been playing these games. Um, a lot of people have told me that, uh, you know, their kids, um, when they were asked like, what they want for the Christmas presents, they actually want one of these like skins rather than actually a physical item or so. So, you know, maybe one day we'll see that like, Physical, I mean, digital items actually become much more valuable than some of these digital items itself. And I think this could be really catalyzed when, when this like, younger generation um, starts to grow up and become very economically productive and have a lot of disposable income and money to spend. I think that's when all of this will really take off in a very, very big way. Agreed. So, Tank, uh, we, we are in the last uh, segment of, of the podcast where I'll ask you some rapid fire sure. questions. Uh, so what do you hope Web3 will look like in 10 years? What do I hope Web3 will look like in 10 years' time? Okay, I think that's very interesting. I think um, my ideal like kind of world is that at that time, we don't even think of it as Web3, right? We just think it's, it's just such, it's just become such a seamless part of the internet that is expected that like almost everything we interact with, like anything that I buy or any game that I play, um, these things that I these items that I collect, these are all like NFTs and I, I don't even need to refer to them as NFTs or think about them. The in, technology is so integrated in the entire system and it's just a, a part of the internet. Who's your favorite person to chat? Uh, who's your favorite person to chat with about Web3 and NFTs? Uh, yeah, that's... Um, I, I, I mean, I think there there the, are lots of people like definitely within uh, the Delphi um my, my some of my colleagues like there's just such giga brains on the whole space particularly on the gaming side like people like peers um just know so much about like the history of gaming and, and what the future might be that it's always enjoyable to hear what their views are i think a lot of like um some influencers that i do follow on the space as well um i like like vincent vendo um for his like, artistic soft like views i think dc investor has also had very great insights uh, around like how the nft space will soft evolve so always enjoy like seeing what they are they are saying i, I was definitely taking notes uh, for, for, for next case. uh so uh tank how is an nft analyst different from a fungible token analyst specializing in, in a particular crypto um I guess I, what I would say is that um, I think with fungible tokens, um, a lot of it um, comes down to economics, right? I think supply and demand is is the is the key thing um, to to understand and model out. I think the same thing applies for NFTs as well. It's just that NFTs introduce a, a, a new sort of element to this whole space, where having I guess a keen understanding of like culture having an understanding uh, or knowledge around some of these different areas where NFTs are used for, for example, knowing the history of art, knowing the history of music or gaming, um, helps you to also understand where um, NFTs might go. And then I, th I think the third thing is just, um, I, I think I'm not sure if this is, is good advice as well, but it's just, I think just being able to um, enjoy the moment and have fun because uh, NFTs, I feel like, there's a certain crowd of people that are really into it. And these are usually either um, people who are a little bit more unconventional or don't take themselves too seriously um, or so. And I think being able to also um, understand that and vibe with that, I think helps you to be a lot more involved in some of these different NFT communities and really understand like what people are thinking, how do people um, think about, how do owners think about um, the NFTs that they actually hold. So uh, those are some some thoughts. What's your pet peeve in crypto? Um, pet peeve in crypto? I think the thing that still very irks me a lot every time I see like news like this is um, I think there's still a very big like lack of transparency in the whole whole space, uh, especially NFT projects. Like honestly, like uh, most of your favorite NFT projects, they can actually just rub you at, at any time. Um, and we've seen a lot of it. Like, I think like just um, like maybe just a week ago, there was one um, very prominent like YouTuber who also put up a note saying that he basically gambled away all the community funds in his project and he's going to shut them down. Um, so I, I think like every time I see this this news, I, I just get so frustrated. Like I think we need to do more, like both as community members as well as like um, 
um, team members to really ensure that people don't take our space as like a, a, a circus or a laughing stock. Um, and, and we need to really do more to show that we are serious about um, building a, a new, better world. What's your favorite meme? What's my favorite meme? Like, um, when you ask that, like, I think the first one that comes to mind is basically the dog sitting in this house that is burning all around it. And I feel that uh, for much of 2022, <laughs> I was basically like um, <laughs> right in the middle of this meme. Uh, but I'm hopeful for 2023. I, I do hope that uh, we get out of this and it's going to be a much uh, happier, <laughs> happier world ahead. Love it. Love the answer. Love the answer on that meme. Um, so Tang, it was great having you. Uh, before we conclude the podcast, uh, what should I have asked you? But I did it. Um, let me think. I think you basically. I mean, we basically covered everything. I, I think we talk about so many different things here, from NFT finance all the way to PFPs and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's really not a lot more to to say i'll, I'll just say that um I, i'm personally like super bullish on on nfts i think like um the whole sector the sector as a whole is just going to be going up and to the right um, only um and i'll just say like you know let's be patient things take time to play out um but everything i've seen so far like people are just building so so many amazing stuff and we're going to see how these things play out soon thank it was lovely to have you on the open metaverse podcast Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Maria. It was great having this chat. Like, um, it's not often that you get like to have these like long form kind of like chats just about everything in such a, a fun manner. So, no, thank you so much for having me here. Really enjoyed it. This podcast is for information purposes only and should not be considered as financial advice. Any opinions provided in this podcast reflect the views of the speakers only.